0: Welcome back to State of Play Uh, I'm excited this episode we're going to be joined by AJ Cooper. Uh, AJ and I worked together at North Dakota State uh, in 2009 2010 he's now the edge coach at Washington State uh, over there in Pullman with the uh, Cougars. Uh, Really excited uh, for everyone to hear the interview with AJ Um, I've known AJ obviously since our time together when we uh, worked for the Bison. Um, AJ was Player for the Bison, um, AJ was a part of the growth of that program that has become one of the most dominant programs in the country at any level. I don't care what anybody uh, says, and his career has, rightfully so, uh, went in the direction where he is at one of the premier programs in the country. And excited to see where his future uh, leads him. Uh, I've got to know AJ and you know, his wife and and their family and follow them through their career. So some of the message today is going to be um, from AJ's interview, a little bit about um, his experience, going through that, uh, being the leader of his family, uh, leading his family uh, through all the the changes with different programs that he's worked at, um, and kind of how that's impacted him and some of the things that college football has taught him um, into where he is today. Also gonna talk a little bit about the social justice issue uh, regarding what AJ is doing to make a difference. Um, The reason I wanted to have AJ be on the episode, talk a little bit about what's going on in today's climate with the social justice issues is AJ has, with multiple other coaches, I'm gonna let him really talk about it during the interview and he does a great job, uh, but he talks a little bit about the Coalition, Coaches Coalition for Progress. Um, The Coaches Coalition for Progress is making a difference. And that's what I like to see, um, so I'm really excited for everyone to get a chance to kind of hear his message, hear his words. Um, AJ, like all the uh, other people I've had in interviews, great person, uh, great human, um, great father, and I think a really a good leader. And there's a reason he's been so successful. Um, so on this episode, um, out here in River Park in Milwaukee, went out for my standard morning stroll, and. You know, I found a spot here to stop and talk, and I've been really thinking about what to talk about on this episode. Going with the sunglasses today. Uh, Rock and roll in the sunglasses. For the last few weeks, we might see some 60s and 70s. So not sure if this is super professional for a podcast, but I'm gonna roll the sunglasses today. Um, Really excited about the great weather we've had. But I wanted to talk a little bit about AJ's message. Um, This week in the podcast, I was able to interview AJ before Um, I, I did, this this segment um so i listened to his message um i kind of listened to our interview and i kind of wanted to just make some statements let kind of let let it marinate as far as what he said to me and think about some things that i could do um to hopefully make a difference, uh, make a change. And so for this first segment, I kind of want to talk a little bit about, you know, what AJ is going to discuss, which is kind of what's going on in our society. um, What is going on with everything um, that we face today in this current climate, especially regarding the social justice. I am not the, um, I'm not going to be the best voice to ever, you know, talk about things that are really important in this world. I haven't faced a lot of struggles i've said it in a few episodes i you know i am not on the forefront of you know finding my way up from the bottom um, compared to other people in this world so i don't know if i'm going to be the best uh, person to sit here and talk about what's going on in the, in the world with social justice but there's a few things that i want to discuss um, because i've stayed relatively mute um, during this you know the summer this period of time where there's been a lot going on um, in our country and really in the world, especially when you go back to the events that started with George Floyd in Minneapolis and kind of where we are today. Um, I live in Wisconsin now and the most recent um, incident down in Kenosha um, kind of sparked even some more unrest. It just continually makes you think. And it continually makes you think as someone um, that sees it from the outside. You know, I wasn't in Kenosha, I wasn't in in Minneapolis, I wasn't in these places. So you're getting your information from the news, you're getting your information from what you hear about the the situations. And of course, it's secondhand, because unless you were there, um, you're getting your information from social media, from news networks. Um, But I think about you know kind of where we're at. And then I think about my time playing college football. Um, and, And I think about what being part of athletics can do for our society, um, how, how much of a change that it can make um, in order for us to you know, see the good in people. Um, my freshman roommate was an African-American uh, football player, another player on the team, a um, good friend of mine still to this day. We talk a good bit, um, not all the time, not every single day. I don't talk to very many people every single day. Um, but good relationship with him to this day. Um, always viewed him as a friend. Always viewed him as a good person who had my uh, best interest at heart. And I, hopefully he understands that I'm the same for him. Uh, but when you're playing athletics, especially at the collegiate level, you get a chance to see so many people with you know, different backgrounds, um, different religions, different beliefs, uh, different skin color, that it can really, um, in so many ways, change your perspective uh, because you're able to be around them, good people. And regardless of their skin color, it it can make a big impact on your life. Um, When you're playing football, when you're in a locker room, it's one common goal. Um, It's a goal to be able to go out there and win a football game. It's a goal to be able to go out there and all move in the same direction at a workout to make sure you get through the day. Um, So from my perspective, um, like so many athletes, has been that sport can bring a lot of people together. Um, at the same time, uh, you also can get a little bit away from what's going out there in society. You're not you know, in the, in the different places of our country that face real challenges. Um, so I, I think when I think about sports, when I consider what sports can do, um, I'm always going to push to continue to use sports as the tip of the spear for us to um, move forward in society, for us to move forward in life. Uh, one of the things that continues to fall uh, back on me as I consider the last few months and kind of everything that's gone on. Um, as I left my position at Northern Michigan as the offensive coordinator and, and stepped down and um, got a chance to move here, um, I, I was talking to my players a little bit about what was happening in society. And I was struck by one comment. Um, you know, my, my big message to the players um, in my group, which is the message for most coaches, is you, your voice can be heard. No one's going to. Um, Stop you from saying what you want. No one's going to mute your, you know, your message. No one's going to restrict what you want to say. And, and I had mentioned that to the players in a group message, so I could, you know, express to everybody that your message, whatever it chooses uh, to be, is is going to be receptive in this group and on this football team and in this program. As are most places uh, in college football, most college football coaches that I know, everybody that I know, follows that same message of allowing their players to have voice, um, opinion, whatever it may be. Um, but as we were talking about what had happened in Minneapolis, uh, a, a, lot of, a lot of players had different you know, thoughts and feelings and everything that we were all going through from the outside, again, not being there. And I had a freshman, a player players couldn't have been more than 18, maybe 19 years old, say to the group and say to me specifically, coach, this isn't about black and white. This is about good and bad. And that struck me. That was something that was very poignant. That was something that was very thoughtful. That was something that was well um, constructed as far as an opinion. That's an 18 year old, you know, young man. Um, this is not an adult who had been through all sorts of different things in his life and have all sorts of experiences. This is a young man. Um, and to have that perspective, I thought was great. And really, when, it, when you boil it down, that's what it is. Um, this is about good and bad. And if you've listened to any of these podcasts, there's been a pretty consistent message from. Um, a couple individuals, Andre Griffin, Matt Middleton, both said it. The reality is, you know, you, you know, you can feel that in your stomach when something just isn't right or you're doing something that's wrong. They both had shared that message. Um, and I, I think when you, you know, boil down everything that's happened in this country in the past, you know, summer, in the past few months, in and, and the longevity of a long term, not just the past few months, but, you know, when you talk a little bit about the history of our country, you know, it's, it's it, this is about good and good and bad. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that 200, 300 years ago, there's some really bad things happening. I mean, and, and, and whether it was what was normal at the time or not, it doesn't change the fact that that was bad. And there's still bad things that are happening uh, to this day. So we all have to be aware of that. Um, that would be my biggest message. Um, now, what AJ's going to talk about is, is, like I said, he talks about you know, the, the difference he's making. Um, the Coaches Coalition for Progress. Uh, it, it's really a great movement. They're making a difference. They're doing something. They're not just talking. They are talking, but they're doing something about it. So that's where I've struggled. What can I do? You know, again, I have so many good friends that are you know, African-Americans. I have so many good friends that are white Caucasians. I have so many good friends that are you know, Mexican heritage. I have so many good friends that are all sorts of different religions. So what can I do, you know, because I don't always know if I'm making a difference. So I thought of the most simple thing I could think of, you know, when you walk around this world, and I do a lot of it now, you know, as a retired football coach, um, I walk around and I think about what I can do on these podcasts. I think of what I can do to maybe grow my business or what I have going on with the family for the rest of the evening. I walk around on these these beautiful trails in in Milwaukee. Um, I simply try to wave to people. How simple of that uh, of a gesture is that? As you're walking around, as you get a chance to see somebody that's passing, you just wave and say hi. Um, I'll be honest with you, I am in the minority on that thing to do. <laughs> you know, it is not as common for someone to wave. Apparently, um, it is, you know, something that we don't all do. apparently, um, I try to do as much as I can. So many of us are just staring at the ground, or in our headphones, or not paying attention, or just staring straight forward. Um, the reality is that's something simple um, that we can all give a try. So sh- try it. You know see what it's like to walk around and not just you know always have your earphones in and just be listening to music and not paying attention to anybody else i still have my earphones in i'm still listening to music i still try to um, be aware of when i see people um and and what the reason i do that is i think a little bit about where we're at in society and again it all stems kind of from what you see on social media Um, but the reality is you know a lot of times you see these videos of you know i don't want to talk about all the things that happen in the summer in these cities but whether it be like fights or things are going on and it's a someone holding the phone and videotaping it instead of actually helping somebody um, we've really lost our way in society a little bit when it comes to that instead of stepping out and helping somebody and lending a helping hand and you know where, where someone may be in a, a difficult situation we film it and we video it and then we post it online I mean, that tells you how far off we are from society. Um, and I think that's something that we've got to look to correct. So making simple changes. Um, the last part I want to talk about as far as making simple changes is you know we have a, a presidential election coming up in, a, in about a month from now or a little bit over that. Um, I think about that all the time because you know, I hope and pray sometimes that the presidential election isn't driving all this madness that's going on in society. Um, if it is, that's a real shame. Then we have really let down a lot of people. But I talk to people about that all the time, and whether you believe in our current president or you want a new president, I talk about people. Talk to people all the time that'll listen to me that, you know, the president's one thing, but how about making sure that you're voting and, and getting involved in an election in your state and local government? That's where you're going to see the most impact in your life. Let's just be honest. Um, I've been alive for 37 years. I mean, I guess I'm not sure exactly how many presidents that is, but... I don't know if I've ever felt much of an impact from any of these presidents. Um, I really don't. I don't know if I can think of any um, anything that they've ever done that has truly impacted my life where I felt it, even Obamacare. you know, I can't sit here and tell you that I've gravely uh, felt the impact, positive or negative, from Obamacare, but I can tell you what. The decisions that our local mayors make, our city planners, or our city government, our governors make, have a much bigger impact in our current day-to-day life. So get involved there, um, get involved in that level. Make sure that you know who is going to be your governor, mayor, who is gonna represent you on the city council, who are your state representatives. At the end of the day, I think we focus too much on the top, I think we focus too much on the president, I think we focus too, too much on the, on the people that, even though they're polarizing, are not really gonna make an impact in your life as much as our state and local government. Um, So that's really the last message I wanted to make. I've been thinking about all these things. That may have been a little bit of a ramble session. Um, I thought this was a really important episode to do. Maybe it's a heavy topic. Uh, Maybe people won't like my sunglasses, Um, but I thought it'd be important for me to do this and and talk a little bit about this on this episode. So um, again, excited for everyone to hear AJ's message to continue to think about what we can do to make this world better for anybody that's listening. I, I encourage you all to kind of do the same. Um, so with that being said, going to kind of uh, sign off here for segment one. Looking forward to hearing um, AJ's message and getting everybody a chance to hear what AJ has to say. And we will see you on the back end of that interview. Welcome back to episode seven of State of Play. I'm joined with A.J. Cooper. A.J. Cooper is the edge coach at Washington State University. Uh, I worked with A.J. at North Dakota State for two years, way back in 2009 and 2010, A.J. I mean, it's hard to believe it's been that long, Um, but I've known A.J. as a good friend. I've known A.J. as a good father, a good husband. I'm really excited to hear his perspective, number one, on how things are going through the pandemic, how he's worked with his team and his players a little bit. And then I'm going to give AJ the opportunity to talk a little bit about what's going on in society with some of the social justice issues. He's a a very strong voice and a very good advocate for making some change. So AJ, welcome to the podcast. How are things going for you guys and the team during all this challenging times?
1: Thanks for having me on, Dan. You know, things are good. You know, uh, like we were kind of talking about just a minute ago, everybody uh, within the landscape of college football has been going through something similar, right? right. Um, you know, ours is maybe a little bit different than others. Uh, being a new staff arriving in January, you know, we got about three, three and a half months with the players and then the pandemic. It, it, uh, excuse me. So um, it made, you know, what you want to do as a new staff is you want to build trust through relationships, through communication. Obviously, you're evaluating ability, trying right. to get guys in the right positions, buying your culture, buying your scheme, all those things. And, uh, you know, doing that through Zoom has, has been a little right. bit more difficult. again everybody across the landscapes had to deal with that so you know it was what coaches what ways could you find to still build those one-on-one relationships whether it was through calls through facetime through zoom uh to teach your technique to teach your scheme to get the guys to understand how they fit into those things um you know our strength staff was doing a really good job as far as sending the kids work out and, and trying to hold them accountable on that end so uh certainly uncharted waters uh for, for all of us, you know, I'm sure like Coach Ball used to say, we'll all write a book about this one day. And, and there's some wild stories about it, you know. But, um, you know, again, just that was the biggest thing is trying to get to know these kids. You know, that old saying, kids don't know how care how much you know until they know how much you care, you know. And so that would been one of the biggest things. Uh, and then once we get them back is now trying to work them out again. And, and again, now you're teaching in person, you know, coaching with the edges and defensive line. That's a very hands-on Position, so uh, it's been interesting to say the least. It's been fun, though. I mean, that's why we do what we do is to to, to develop and work with young men.
0: Right, I've always known you to be a really good leader. Our two years together, so I took your position um, coaching the tight ends and as a graduate assistant when you got promoted to full time at North Dakota State working on the defensive side. You went over to the dark side. I took your position on the good (laughs) side. So the thing I always was very um, confident, learning from you, but then also you seem to have a very strong leadership ability with the players. But what has it been like them looking at you during this challenge of college football. You know, at one point we're on, at one point we're off, even in the state high school systems, a lot of them have been on, they've been off. What's it been like kind of leading them through it, answering their tough questions about, you know, hey, we just have to stay the course through this.
1: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is you just got to show them consistency. You know, not again, so many things I I do. I, I learned from Coach Ball and other right. coaches I work with is just not getting too high, and not getting too low. You know, there was a point in, uh, what would that would have been July when it was like, hey, we're full go ahead. We're going to play a full season and everything's going to be fine. And then like a month later, it's like, boom, it's done. We're not playing at all. Right. You know, and again, it's about more about. Well, you know, I continue to try to talk about the guys as, hey, we don't know when we're going to get it back on the field, but we will back be back on the field at some right. point. And we got to be physically and mentally prepared. And... The teams that do that, it's going to show up very quickly. The right. teams that had self-discipline throughout this time, when the normal yeah. structure of college football was not there for these kids, right. you know, and, and so it's it's just about trying not to get too high, not to get too low, but that's got to be within your personality, you know. You know me, I can be very passionate right. on both right. ends of that, and, and trying to be just, I think, genuine, you know. But I think it's also, I think, what's helped the kids recognize too is like, as coaches, we feel this too. Like, right. it, it doesn't just suck for the players; it sucks for us too, right. and. And so letting them see the, the raw, the true emotions, what you're feeling, you know, what you're thinking with that, along with that balance of not getting too high, too low, I think has been important you know, and, and like I said, I've just really pushed every day to Hey, we got to continue to get better at one little thing, you know, that two percent won. And uh, and and I've been fortunate. I walked into a group of pretty good guys here at, at Washington State. There's some things we can obviously continue to improve on and, and help from maturity standpoint, academics, football, all those things. There's definitely room for improvement. Uh, but just as far as people, uh, some pretty, pretty good young men that I get to work with. So that always makes it easier.
0: Let me ask you real quick, before we transition over to one more topic. Um, you know, when we were together at North Dakota State, you you didn't have kids yet. Um, since now you've got a family, you guys have traveled a little bit through the country with different jobs. You've had great opportunities. You've done a really good job at those different programs. What kind of impact has the coaching profession had on your family? Um, Maybe, maybe positive, you know, I'm not Mm -hmm. every, every uh, life has challenges, but what are some of the positive things that you have taken from being a college football coach, working with a group of, you know, college age kids, and then, you know, referencing that back to your family to be able to continue to lead and guide your own family?
1: You know, I I think the correlation I always look at it is as I'm coaching the young men here at Washington State is uh, treat them how I want my sons or my daughter to be treated if they go play college sports, you know, and, you know, I want someone to hold them accountable, to set a high bar for them, to be tough on them, but to be fair, to listen, to, uh, to encourage them to ask questions to help them develop critical thinking, if that makes sense. And so I really, now that you have kids and then, you know, especially as your kids get older and now you start having conversations right. with them, um, uh, you know, when, when they're hitting you with questions back, you're like, Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> you know, <I'd> <laughs> about that. Um, you know, so it, it's made me, I think they go hand in hand. I think being a college football coach has made me a better parent and being a parent has made me a better fo- college football coach, right. if that makes sense. No, absolutely. And, and I think, And I think that also comes into play when you're when you're uh, for us, whether it's the recruiting process or once the kids get here, the communication with the parents, you know, sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. Sometimes the parent doesn't always want to hear that his son isn't doing what he's supposed to in X, Y or Z. Right. right? right, right, But it's about, you know, being genuinely honest, you know, honesty isn't about. Uh, making you feel good or making feel bad. Hey, this is the truth. It is what it is. Um, and, and also making sure on the flip side that when their kids are doing well, we're letting their parents know, too. Right. You know, I had a kid that was student athlete of the month last week, and it was it was a real, real cool dialogue between him and his mom. Uh, just how much I appreciated her and her husband and how they had raised him and how easy he makes my job. So uh, I, I, to go back to your question, I think it goes hand in hand, you know, and, and I think the lessons you learn while being a father, you can easily take the coaching and vice versa. And uh, and that's that's what I've done. And I think every year as I've gotten older, my kids have gotten older. I think I've become a better coach because I've seen the correlation.
0: Right No, that's a great message. Um, I do want to kind of take a little bit of a pivot now. I guess there's some connection to it, Um, but I want to talk a little bit about some of the social justice things going on. I have not said much on these podcasts. We were talking right before we got started. I've stayed. I've kind of stood mute on it because I want to listen. I want to hear you know, what other people are saying. Um, You work with a group of young men that are going to be really involved. You see some of the things going on at college campuses where athletes are taking stands. To me, I think using a voice is really important. I haven't said a lot. I haven't made a lot of statements. We, We were talking right before. The reason I wanted to discuss this with you, I see a lot of talking from other people outside of student athletes, but I don't always see a lot of action. You have decided to take some action. You have started the Coaches Coalition for Progress. And it's something to kind of, I'm going to let you get a chance to talk a little bit about it, but it's something to make some progress is what we need in this society, in my belief system. So I want to give you a second to kind of talk about how things are going, working with your players through some of the social justice issues, what you guys discuss, and then also a little bit about the coalition and how it's helping move everybody forward.
1: Sure. No, uh, you know, it came about actually. It's uh, uh, the founding members are myself, uh, Todd Golden, the head basketball coach at the University of San Francisco, uh, Kevin Hubdy, one of his assistants, Vinny McGee, one of his assistants, uh, Shafe, one of his assistants, and then Carlin Hartman, who is actually the uh, associate head coach at the University of Oklahoma basketball. So Todd and I grew up together. I went to high school together. Uh, We were best men in each other's weddings. And right after the George Floyd murder, you know, there was all, I think, around the country, a sense of either shock, anger, frustration, right? You can name a ton of different uh, emotions. And um, I just remember being very conflicted, very upset, very angry as a black man. i was talking to my wife about it it's like i remember rodney king like I, I remember vividly watching that and now you're talking about well that'd be 29 years later you're right. seeing the same thing and um i remember todd called me and i was really frustrated i was in a bad funk for a couple of days and todd called me um and him and vinnie had had the idea about just just what you said dan is like there was an outpouring of things on social media right, right? And but it was like, how many people are actually going to do things about it? Right. You know, and, and social media is what it is. Um, it's a little frustrating because there is a lot of that just in a general sense of people talk, but don't do anything. Right. And um, and that, that's where this idea came from. So it's really a, a two. when we started this for coaches, it's a coaches coalition for progress. Our goal was to give coaches a platform in a place where we could go out and serve right Right. and and things for number one underserved youth and underprivileged communities whether it's giving back financially uh to you know a boys and girls club youth centers different things like that um but also building those i think we all see the uh trying to build or rebuild the bridges uh between law enforcement back into those communities building relationships opening up lines of communication if that makes sense, Absolutely. and, and so that, that's what we we really uh, started it on, and uh, you know we've raised quite a bit of money. Once COVID calms down, we're actually going to make our first donation uh, to the West Oakland Boys and Girls Club. Uh, that's Ginny grew up there. Uh, went there. It was a place that really helped him, um, you know, maneuver through life and, and really become the person, the coach, the man he is. Um, and then we're going to kind of go different places around the country where uh, we all have either uh, personal experience, like me being from Phoenix, or we've got recruiting experience in no areas um, and give back to those areas. And then what we're trying to do is create, again, a grassroots roots movement for people that want to be involved. With, you know, we're putting out information um, through newsletters, different things like that. We're having Zoom calls to educate people on what they can do to number one, educate the youth, because I think that's one of our biggest things we see educating. It's not about blue or red or Republican or Democrat. You know, to me, when you're talking about racism and some of these issues, it's about right or wrong. Right. And and sometimes people just need education. They don't know they don't know. Right. And and so really been doing that, uh, just working with people to get different information, you know, here at Washington state, we've got all our guys registered, or I think we're like 95% registered. Uh, We've had, The police chiefs of Pullman speak. We've had um, our most powerful speaker by far, Demario Sims. He's a uh, um, a county sheriff. I think it's uh, Santa Clara, Santa Clara County down in the Bay. Uh, He grew up with Benny, black dude. Played college basketball. Really powerful speaker, man. Because you're talking about a guy from Oakland who was torn. Like he's at some of these protests. You know what I mean? As a police officer, and understands the frustration, the anger but also understands the law enforcement side of it, right? Fantastic, great perspective. You know, the type of person, I don't care if he's in law enforcement or not, that, hey, if we have more people out there like this, uh, I think we'd all be better off, you know, as a place. Um, so we had uh, Mike London, the head coach of William Mary. Mike London actually started his career as in law enforcement and then got into coaching. Um, and uh, Coach Rolo reached out to him. Mike, Coach London spoke to the team. That was really powerful. Uh, we, we've had a lot of dialogue. You know, that, that's the biggest thing because of social media with our players, at least, just to keep open dialogue because there's so much negative stuff out there. But anyways, back to the coalition, we've just been working hard at that. And, you know, once COVID kind of calms itself down, you know, and we get back to some normalcy, we're going to obviously be out in the community doing things. And, again, we wanted a place where coaches felt comfortable um, coming together as a group and making a difference uh, in their local communities or communities where they came from.
0: Well, that's a a good message. I don't really even want to add more to it because I think what you just said was right on as far as what you're trying to do. And that action, to me, is the key. You know, we, we just discussed it. There can be a lot of talk. Everyone can say whatever they want, whether it be on social media or just saying things, but to actually go out there and do something. I really applaud you all for doing that. Um, It's something that I'm involved with, you know, I've donated to the cause just to simply Mm. be involved, because it's, it's the first step that I could take to try to help somebody that I know is doing it right. I want to kind of transition real quick on the same similar message, but now to sports. Um, And how sports can kind of be the tip of the spear for guiding us all moving forward. I'm I'm a believer in that. I believe that sports are a very crucial thing in society. You're talking about making some changes socially. I think sports can be a part of that. One of the things that I raised with you on the email I sent with the topics was minority coaches in head coaching positions. Okay. One of my beliefs is that I think time could, I'm not going to say will, I'm going to say could rectify maybe an imbalance. You know, you talk about not very many minority head football coaches in the NFL and in major college football. I'm just going to use those two examples. I don't know a ton about other sports, so I'm going to stick to football when I'm talking with you right now. I believe time could rectify that. People like you continue to rise up the ranks. If you so aspire to be in that position, you'll, you'll reach that position. Other really good coaches. I mean, everyone talks about Eric Bienemy in Kansas City being the next head coach somewhere. And he sh- in my opinion, sure. he should be. And he should get those opportunities. Would you agree with that, saying that time is something that can can correct some of these issues we have in sports and kind of balancing out some inequalities we have?
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you that I think uh, sports can definitely be an example, hopefully, to society, not just America, but society on, on what we hopefully all could be, you know, because, uh, you know, when you're in a locker room, or when you're on a field, when you're on a court, whatever sport is, you don't care about the person's background. You don't care about their nationality, their economic status. You just want the best people that are that want to be a part of a team and help win. Right. right. And, and and sports and locker rooms are, are certainly a microcosm of that, you know? And so uh, I think it's fantastic that athletes are speaking out about these things, you know, and that I think in this day and age, athletes can be taken serious and they're, they're, at, you know, our coaches, their voice can be heard. Right. And then that, I think that's really important and, and really appreciate the athletes that have done that. You know, LeBron James has done a great job of that. There's a ton of, you know, the NBA has been fantastic. You see the NFL getting into it now, been really, really good. Um, I, I do think uh, when it comes to coaching, I think time, but I think it. it number one, um, we need people in positions to hire those coaches. Right. You know, I think that's a big key, um, especially when you're talking about minority coaches is, is the people that make those decisions, you know, that philosophy has got to change. You know, are things starting to change a little bit? Well, I I look at it like this. I think week one, I think I saw a stat, and out of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, I think 10 or 12 of them were black, if I remember correctly, which is a huge – I mean, I looked at that, and again, I I grew up in the 90s like you, and I remember Randall Cunningham, Warren Moon – You know, there wasn't a lot of diversity at that position. And so I look at that and I say, okay, hopefully that's a step, you know, that, okay, now we're having black men that are quarterbacks, they're leading NFL franchises. Now those owners, you know, are in college football. The the presidents and the ADs also start start to follow suits. So I I think the first thing, not necessarily time. I think it's the people in the positions. Maybe some of the the past stereotypes that were there that were incorrect. Hopefully, those are getting washed away. You know what I mean? And we're getting hired uh, based upon their ability, uh, based upon their character, not based upon the color of their skin. If that makes sense. Oh, yeah, um, time, I think, will factor into that as well. Um, but But again, hopefully, uh, you know, as as a black coach, uh, you hope that when you're interviewed or evaluated for a position, it's based upon, you know, how you treat people, how you coach, your ability to develop, your ability to recruit, if that makes sense, Uh, and not what your skin color is, if that makes sense. Because again, that's the ironic part when you look at a locker room. players don't care if their coach is black, white, or anything in between. They want someone that cares about them and that's going to coach them to the best of their ability and hold them accountable, if that makes sense. So it's a very – we could have a two-hour podcast on that one, but – you know, but you know, I think some of that too is is culturally. I think minority black coaches are, are starting to understand what they need to do. Not starting, they have understood. But like Alonzo Carter did uh, a ton of minority Zoom meetings throughout the pandemic, and, and had ads on, had guys that either were coaches or are current head coaches to give advice to younger coaches like myself on what steps to take, what things to be prepared of, what questions to answer, how to be ready for those things. Um, and, and I would hope, you know, just big credit shout out to Zoe just for doing that because i would hope that now you've got a group of coaches across the country i'm talking dan there were sometimes eight you know 900 people on these zoom meetings that are now have the answers to questions the tools to be prepared when those opportunities come that maybe culturally or individually we didn't have in the past. You know, when, when you get some coaches, that, I mean, there were some big-time names on there. bien was on there, Coach bien uh, Coach Sumlin. Um, you know, I mean, I, I could go down the list. There were right. some fantastic coaches there, um, uh, Marvin Lewis, you name them, uh, that can, uh, I think, really share their knowledge and help the next generation of coaches.
0: Excellent. Well, that's a great message, AJ. I want to wrap up, you know, I, I think everything you said is spot on. In my opinion, but I'm also watching the back. I'm sure. I'm sure Jake has been walking back and forth, <laughs> ready to pull you into a meeting and start talking about fire zones and stunts and pressure. Exactly. So I am really excited. You guys are getting going. Um, like I said, just to kind of wrap up, I think you guys are the tip of the spear as far as coaches leading young men that are going to very soon. You know, your age range; those kids are some of them one, two three years off from being in the workforce, possibly making these big changes that we're talking about. So I want to let you get to work. We're all excited to see you guys get started. We're excited to see you at your new program. Very happy for you and your family and uh, wishing you guys well, stay healthy, stay safe and have a great start to the season and good luck this year.
1: Definitely. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate you having me on, man. It's always good to catch up.
0: All right, AJ. Thanks. Welcome back into state of play. I'm going to finish up this segment here. Thanks AJ uh, for coming on and doing that interview. Um, Again, I can't emphasize how much of a good person A.J. is, um, what kind of father he is, what kind of coach he is, is the reason why he's at where he is. Uh, To be at a Power 5 school, uh, to be coaching at the level he is, to have had as much success as he had, it doesn't take a genius to figure it out. Um, He's a good person. Um, He does it the right way. Um, That's how he and that, that staff at North Dakota State, when I was a graduate assistant working for him, that's how he and that staff started the run there on it's not by some miracle they didn't um, go to a store down the street and buy the magic winning formula him the entire uh, full-time staff did it the right way and again those type of people deserve to be rewarded with the opportunities um, that he has been granted so wish aj and the program well as they start their season uh, with the pac-12 starting back up um, very excited to see what and that program does this year and in the future and then his career Um, i want to wrap up this episode Um, it's going to be a short segment um, here because i want that interview to really be the lasting message Um, but i want to finish up and talk a little bit about uh, the the situation regarding black head coaches in the nfl and and major college football Um, it's something that's important to me and here's what i would say you know when i was coaching for however long I was coaching, 15 years, you know, the the highest I ever made it to was to be an offensive coordinator. Um, I did have aspirations at the time to be a head coach, um, primarily the division two level, what I was the most familiar with. But as I would talk to friends, as I would talk to colleagues, um, you know, we would talk about that every once in a while. Some coaches will sit here and tell you they never discuss it, they're liars, okay? You at least discuss it at some point, discuss it with your wife, discuss it with your family, discuss it with friends. To see if it's even a feasible option, would you even be considered? Okay, so coaches talk about moving up, moving to the next opportunity. It's part of the part of the job. Uh, but the thing that I always used to think about was recruiting. You know, I am a middle-aged, six-foot-four white guy, and I'm going to be a head football coach. And college football entails men of every color, every religion, every background you could imagine. Okay. The sport knows, co- coaches only know one thing regarding the sport. Can that individual help us win? If there was a female that could help that program win, every college coach in the country would recruit her. It's just how it is. Okay. Um, so the reality is I always used to think about that. How am I going to relate to all sorts of different student athletes and their families? Um, so hiring a minority coach was always something I thought that's what I'm going to need to do. You know, to be able to go into an environment, suburban or inner cities irrelevant. You find people of all sorts of different race, religions, and in all parts of the different country that I've recruited in my time. I always thought to myself, I'm, I'm going to have to have um, some minority coaches on the staff if I ever ascend to that position. Um, at the, not going to anymore at this point. But it's something I thought about how important it would be and how much perspective they can bring to the staff and to the program. Um, And I think about that when I think about why aren't there more minority African-American head coaches, um, whether it be African-American or just minorities in general, uh, coaching at major college football uh, and in the NFL. And I do think it's an issue. I think it's something that should be addressed. I think the Rooney rule in the NFL trying to get more interviews is a start. Uh, But the reality is when you walk into an NFL locker room, when you walk into a major college football locker room, you're gonna see a heavy population of African-Americans on the roster. And to have someone uh, that's from that background that's kind of grown up in the same, um, similar circumstances as them, uh, at least with something as simple as skin color, can be an important factor in in being able to guide those young uh, men uh, in the game and in life. And what I always think about, and this is kind of one of the last things I wanna leave with is we don't have enough representation of, of African-American head football coaches. Okay, I do believe that there is a good, strong nucleus of up and coming, especially young uh, minority coaches, as well as some that have ascended to positions of coordinators. You know, I've talked about Eric Biennemi probably being the premier next head coach. And it's only one person, but it's, 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 I think it's anybody who would argue that he's not the premier, you know, position. Uh, would would be foolish, um, but that's so why I, I mentioned this to AJ a little bit. He he touched on it more. Time is going to help, but it's also perspective. If you were to ask me who is the number one head coach in major college football, okay, um, I don't know major college football other than just following it on TV and television and different things like that. End a discussion. David Shaw at Stanford. Okay, if you have a young student athlete that has very high academics and is a good football player, send your son. To go play at Stanford for David Shaw. Best coach I've ever seen. I did have a chance to hear him give a clinic at a convention one time. It was the, the premier clinic I've ever heard, and it was simple. He was articulate. He was able to answer questions um, at that clinic better than anybody I've ever seen. So if someone were to ask Dan Fedrosi, I'm one person, one out of 330 million people in this country, or however many there are. And I know that doesn't go for much, but if you're asking me who's the premier head football coach in major college football today don't talk to me about Saban don't talk to me about Ryan Day don't talk to me about Jim Harbaugh it's David Shaw period end of discussion because of what he does at that program given all the circumstances uh, behind their academics their requirements Um, so I also think that's a start you know you could sit here and say okay well the vast majority of head coaches in major college football are white but the best one in my opinion is a an African-American head football coach so that's a start too That's something that we can look at, and maybe that just needs to be emphasized more. Maybe that's something that needs to be talked about more. And I don't care if Stanford goes over this year or whatever their record is or wins them all. It's it's irrelevant. It's the way he carries himself. It's the way he projects himself to that program, and it's the way he runs the program, especially given some of the challenges they have with the academic requirements to get into that school. He does not look like he lowers his standards or his values at all. And to me, that is what makes a great head football coach. Now, for some people, especially people that want to, you know, all they care about is winning national titles, it's about who can win. Okay, well, I can guarantee this much. You're never going to get them out of Stanford. Okay, but if you took David Shaw and you put him at Alabama, with their resources and the way, that you know, they commit to their program, I bet you there's going to be some national championships that follow. I'll I'll put my stamp on it and say I guarantee it. So I I think those are things we just got to do a better job in sports of emphasizing. Yeah, there may not be enough, but the best one is proving that it can be done. I come from the GLIAC. I think one of the premier head coaches, if not the premier head coach in the GLIAC, is Coach Winters down in Detroit, coaching at Wayne State. The way he carries himself, the way he runs the program, his longevity. Um, and again, I have friends in that league that may not make them happy to hear that, but it's just the truth. The way he carries himself, the way he does it with pride and integrity, the way he runs his program, they can make a big case he's the premier head coach in that league. Um, so I think if you, it's all just perspective. It's all how you want to view it. So that's going to be my lasting message. I think this was a good episode uh, to talk a little bit about what's going on in our country, to hear AJ talk a little bit about his experiences, but also his belief, um, his thoughts on what's been going on in our society and how he's making a difference. Um, at the end of this podcast on YouTube, I will uh, add the, um, the information on the link to be able, if you want to get more information on the um, Coaches Coalition for Progress, um, I think it's an important... Um, direction. I think it's an important step. But again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this with, with two two lasting messages from myself. The message AJ gave, listen to that, take it. Um, th- th- that is everything that we should be striving as a country. But number one, this is about good and bad. This is about right and wrong. Uh, this isn't always about black and white. It's about right and wrong. Know what's right and know what's wrong and do what's right. Um, th- 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 that, that to me is is just a message that we can we can take and we can run with. And do something simple. Uh, second thing, do something simple to make a difference. You don't have to go out and change the world. You don't have to be a millionaire or a billionaire to change the world. Do something simple, do something small to make a difference in this world. So with that being said, gonna wrap up uh, this episode here. Um, Again, heavy topic, not gonna lie, it's a heavy topic. Hope everyone enjoys hearing it. Um, again, if there's any comments or information that I can give, uh, if anybody doesn't like the sunglasses, let me know. Um, I'd love to hear some comments on that. Maybe next time I'll come out with some different sunglasses or I'll take your advice and still wear them. Uh, you know, you never know. You know, Life's a funny way of what you wake up and you decide. So I was feeling the sunglasses this week. Uh, I was feeling being outside on location again here. Been very impressed with this you know, beautiful city of Milwaukee, beautiful city of Waukesha, which is where I live. Um, so this is just what I was feeling next week. Maybe we'll be back in the, uh, back in the studio and, in, uh, in the headquarters. Um, if that's uh, a little bit more professional, but, I uh, was just kind of feeling the sunglasses, feeling being outside this week. So for everybody that listened, enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe, stay safe, stay healthy out there. We'll talk with you guys soon.